Deep in the recesses of the Old Testament lies the story of Ruth. One scholar said, it's the most beautiful short story ever written. But how can a 3,000 year old book be relevant today? Ruth speaks into our cultural confusion surrounding gender and our increasing ethnic divide. It's an improbable and compelling love story, but ultimately, Ruth is a story of redemption. How God's sovereign grace redeems his people in and even through their suffering. Ruth reminds us that God still redeems people who are once far from him. His sovereign grace still redeems our suffering for our good and his glory. Hey everyone, welcome to Sermon Reflections on a beautiful Super Bowl Sunday. I got my Eagles gear on. Yes, sir. I'm with my boy Johnny Pinto. Hey, Johnny, hey. Real quick, before we jump into the reflection, who you got tonight? Man, you know I got the Eagles. Come on. Okay. All right. That's that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Now we now now, now we can put that aside. <laughs> and uh, you guys might know me. My name is Anthony Pena. Um, part of the worship team. Lead the uh, young adult Vine Bible study on Sunday nights. Uh, and excited to be here with you, uh, going through um, these sermon reflections, Johnny. You want to give a quick introduction as to who you are in the in the cap oh, no, not, not, not the cap city the uh, fellowship cross point fellowship church cross point yeah yeah absolutely I'm glad to be here so yeah my name is Johnny um, I'm currently a student at Rutgers over here at Cross Point I serve on the worship team and I also take part in campus ministry when I'm at college um, but yeah I've been around for a while and it's awesome to be a part of this beautiful so today uh, Pastor Brennan. Uh, preached on the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. So Johnny and I are going are gonna to hop in there, and uh, we hope that this um, reflection of, of Pastor Brennan's sermon is a, is a blessing to uh, our listeners. So, uh, Johnny, as we kind of walk through uh, Ruth 1, uh, in verse 6, it says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, this is talking about Naomi, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Mm. So she, you know, she plans to set out. She's going to leave her daughters-in-law behind. Um, when, when Naomi hears that there's, you know, restoration taking place in her place of origin, what does that say to you about who God is in the context of, of this story? I mean, yeah, man, like the fact that Naomi had wandered from God's will and that God sought her with the good news. I mean, it's such a beautiful picture. And I really like the pastor's reference to how God will leave the 99 to pursue the one. I mean, like God's heart, man, like it was it was just a great picture of that. And, you know, he pursues us even when, you know, we're in the wilderness and, you know, we're suffering. Uh, God is near. Absolutely. And we were talking about just before um, before we did this little podcast here, uh, just that, I mean, you know, Moab was a, a distant land for Naomi to be in. So for the, the news that God was restoring Israel to reach Moab just shows the faithfulness and the grace that God has uh, toward his people, which is, right. which is awesome. Um, so, I mean, this is a pretty, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, difficult story to, or part of the story to kind of uh, walk through because there's a lot of sadness that's that's taking place here. We see that um, Naomi has lost her husband and uh, she's also lost 
both of her sons, which means that her son's wives are now widows. So we have three widows that are, um, you know, together here, which is which is really uh, difficult and and challenging. And what Naomi is experiencing is is what we would call um, the, the the bitter sovereignty of God. Right. Um, and so you know we as human beings many times and. Um, we find ourselves in in difficult situations. I know I can, you know, definitely speak onto some uh, difficult situations that I've been a part of. Um, but but Naomi is is experiencing something really raw and and difficult. But there's beauty in the midst of this story. Um, we see that very likely after spending ten years in a foreign and distant land. Naomi has a, a a beautiful relationship between herself and her two daughters-in-law. Yeah. And we see that because in the midst of this pain and suffering, her two daughters-in-law come to her. Um, they, they, they give her a, a, a kiss. They're expressing emotion. And Naomi is saying, okay, well, I'm going back. There's nothing for you back in Israel that would benefit you to leave. You should just go back to Moab and find yourself a husband. You can have more, you, you can have children and, uh, and that will bring purpose to your life. And we see this, this sadness on the part of her, her daughter-in-law Orpa, and also Ruth. But we notice that there's a difference. There's some similarities, but there's also a major difference between Orpa and Ruth, can you kind of maybe talk to you know what's the what's the similarity that both Orpah and Ruth are experiencing? Right. So if you notice, um, I think it was verse fourteen. Orpah it talks about the emotion, like you were like you were discussing about. It talks about the emotion, the the weeping that um, both Orpah and Ruth um, that took place. Right when uh, you know, obviously now that Naomi's going to leave, and they both. They're both experiencing this emotion, and then, but like you said, there's like a difference in the choices that result from that. Um, so we see that we see that Orpa makes a choice, right, to go back, and then we see that Ruth makes the choice to cling to Naomi, right. And something that kind of stuck out to me um, with that particularly is like how often, you know, just connecting this to like a real day picture, um, and for us as Christians today, how often might we? experience emotion say a church for example like we hear we hear worship you know we hear a message and we might experience some kind of emotion there but that emotion might not necessarily result in you know an actual change or like choices that we make um to lead us in the right direction so it doesn't actually affect our lifestyle um what do you think about that Ant? yeah no i mean that's i mean that's how i live my life really um before i really came to know christ uh, I would go to church, I would have this emotional experience, and then I would go right back to what I was doing before. And that's not to say that I don't experience this today. You know, there's definitely things in my life that I have emotions over or that I feel motivated to change in my life, and then I find myself getting stuck in the same places uh, over and over again. And so this is a real challenge for me right. to be like, well, are you just going to be emotional are you going to have an emotional response or is there going to be some some change or some action that is manifested from this emotional response? Because if if all I do is have an emotional response, then I'm going to go back to Moab just like right. Orpa did yeah. when I could be walking back into uh, where, where God would want me to be 
and be fruitful in these areas of my life um, instead of just kind of falling back into the mm-hmm. same pattern of things over and over again. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's what we see, the, the difference between Orpa and Ruth. Orpa makes a decision. They both make decisions. Um, Orpa's decision is one of comfort, maybe one of convenience. I'm going to go back. I'm going to live my life in a way that makes sense to me. But Ruth is choosing to go with Naomi, walk into an unknown foreign land, and she says some really incredible things. She says, your people will be my people. But then she says, what's the main thing she says, Johnny? She says, your God will be my God, man. I mean, like, if you really think about what that statement, you know, what that statement really means for Ruth, right? She grew up, she grew up in Moab. You know, she grew up with the knowledge of the Moabite gods um, who she was taught to serve. And over these last 10 years, she's had time to spend with Naomi. And obviously the culmination of it is in this statement where she's saying, your God will be my God. Well, what does that mean? That means she's forsaking um, the gods that she grew up with, the gods that she, you know, believed to be true or held on to. And, you know, it just got me thinking, man, like, I can't help but think in the 10 years that they spent together, um, the way that Naomi might have lived her life, um, how that must have been such a testimony to Ruth. And, you know, I think about myself, man, even as I even as I grow older, you know, in the workplace, um, as I continue my college career, I want people to look at my life and, you know, they can I want them to question, you know, who's the God that you serve? And I want I want that God to be my God, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this is incredible because, um, you know, Naomi's been there for 10 years. We don't know how many years exactly she's had the the uh, privilege to have an, a positive impact on Ruth and Orpah's life. Uh, but we know that there was some type of impact because Ruth says, I want to follow the God that you follow. I'm willing to leave everything that I know behind. Right. And here we are, two widows. We don't have anything um, positive, really waiting for us, or at least that they can see. Um, but Ruth is deciding to walk with Naomi back into, um, you know, Naomi's world. And so, um, when we, when we think about this, we see two women who are experiencing grief. They now have at least each other, but in the ancient world, they don't have any sons. They don't have any husbands. And so Naomi says, you know what? Just call me, just call me bitter because I'm experiencing God's bitterness. Mm-hmm. So many of us in our lives experience deep bitterness over the situations that God has given us, the cards that we've been dealt. But I think it's important to understand that when God gives us his sovereign bitterness, it can be one of the greatest goods in our lives. Mm-hmm. So well, I don't want to spoil the whole story for you, <laughs> but there's a man named Boaz at the end of this story that's ultimately going to redeem this whole situation. Watch out. And <laughs> Oh, I just ruined it. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Brennan. But this whole situation is going to be fixed by a man named Boaz. And we have in the Old Testament what's called types of Christ. And I think that that Boaz serves as a type or as a shadow of, of Christ in that 
here are two women in a desperately hopeless situation. And Boaz allows something to be made out of nothing. And so when we experience extreme bitterness in, uh, in God's sovereignty, so we know that God can make something out of nothing. And this, is, this has been the whole story of the Bible, right? I mean, Abraham is this pagan God. He, he, pagan God. He worships pagan gods. God comes to him and he makes an entire nation out of him. In fact, he blesses all nations through Abraham. We see Moses. He's really nothing. For 40 years of his life, he's like a shepherd in the wilderness. And then he goes and delivers um, the Israelite people out of Egypt. How? By crossing through a Red Sea. There's nothing that Moses can do. Uh, We just see this time and time and time again. We see Jesus, who is the God of this earth, stepping into this earth. I mean, he essentially makes himself of no rapport. He's like of nothing. But he... He allows us to walk into salvation from our own sins. So this theme of like God making something out of nothing is not foreign to scripture. And so it should not be foreign to our perspective of who God is. Um, When we think about the difficult times that we've been given in our lives, I can think of so many times that God has pressed me and, and pushed me and it's been in those times that he has um, allowed me to depend upon him and realize like my own limitations and, and just really question, well, how much can I do? And realize, man, I just, I have to give this all to God. Um, Pastor Brennan talked a little bit about um, Nate and, and Margot Dickey. I don't know if you remember their story, if you want to kind of hit on that real quick and sort of what they walked through. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was definitely a tough story. Um, so you got Nate and Margot. Uh, it was, how long ago was that? Uh, well, Ruthie, I think is four, four years old. Okay. So oh. about, yeah, about about four years ago, um, Nate and Margot were deli- getting ready to deliver their child. And, you know, they heard that their child, Ruthie, um, was was supposed to have Down syndrome. Um, but they they were ready to love their child regardless, and then you know when it came time to deliver deliver Ruthie, she didn't have Down syndrome, so praise God for that. But she was born with a little complication, I think, in her it was her nose, right? Yeah, yeah. Her, yeah. her what was interesting, her nostril would actually collapse, so she wasn't able to breathe. Yeah. For months on end, the doctors were trying to figure out how to fix it. It's wild. They ended up putting like this little piece of plastic in her right. nose, and yeah. she was finally able to breathe. And then it kind of seems like everything's. Good from there, but then right. part two. Yeah, part two. I mean, things ten, things take another turn. So um, they get ready to deliver their second child. Fast forward a couple of years, and I think Margot's uterus exploded, right? Yeah, her, her uterus ruptured, yeah. Yeah, so they had to deliver the baby via C-section. Um, and the baby, what was the issue with the baby? He he, he didn't get oxygen, right? Yeah. Two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, some, some possible complications down the road. We're not, we're not sure of it yet. Um, I think like for me, when I hear that story, I think about, okay, well, we had, my wife and I had a a, a situation with our daughter as well. They thought she wasn't born with an esophagus. And I remember the, the, the doctor telling me with this big smirk on his face that they had misdiagnosed her and that for two days, my wife and I were in complete anguish and i know that nate and margo have been in anguish over um their, their their children but it seems to me like 
man, so many of these stories are like, okay, God redeems here. God redeems there. Okay, I thought my daughter didn't have an esophagus. She's going to have this crazy wild surgery. Oh, she was misdiagnosed. Ruthie has this, you know, difficult diagnosis. And then it's like, oh, it's just that she made it out. Right. You know, we thought that Moyer and and Margo were within inches of their lives. Oh, they made it out. And and, and we can look at that. We, We praise God for that. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that everybody who walks through difficult situations is going to have the same story. That's good. What about those of us that think something bad is going to happen and then that bad thing does happen? Mm -hmm. We've experienced loss in our lives. What happens when that diagnosis is true and it takes the life of a loved one or you're experiencing a difficult diagnosis right now? Does that mean... As Pastor Brennan put it, that God is big and powerful, but he's not good enough mm. to, to, to heal us. He doesn't want to heal us. Does it mean that, yeah, he's, he's good, he's loving, but he's not strong enough to heal us? And we as the Christian would have to say, well, neither one of those things are, are accurate. Right. It's really that God is good, he is loving. But he is also strong enough to take those things away from us, but he just may not do so. And that's where trusting in his providence comes in, right, Ant? Absolutely. Like it could be a frowning providence. It could be, you know, a smiling providence. Um, but it's, you know, at the end of the day, we got to trust in his goodness, you know, despite our present circumstances, whether it turns out to be, you know, the way we wanted or, you know, it could be something completely far from that. Yeah. It's 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 a great day when our plans align with God's. Right. But that's not every day. Yeah. You know, there are going to be days in our lives that we don't even know about that will be really difficult ahead of us. But ultimately, we have to trust that there is a reason for God doing the things that he is doing. Right. Um this reminds me a lot of um I mean in in the New Testament we have we have so much clarity as to why God does the things that he does and chooses to to put things in our lives that we may not necessarily want. Um, one of the scriptures that's really helpful for me is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, if you have, if you have the ability to, to grab a Bible real quick, um, it is, I think, uh, really a, a, a major blessing. Uh, that that Paul would write this. Um, but we see, um, oh look, I got I got Galatians up. I don't need I don't <laughs> well, I need Galatians, but just not right now. Second uh, Corinthians one, if we look at uh, verses six and following, I'm sorry, verses eight and following, Paul says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. So Paul's saying, man, we were so strapped, like we were just so bogged down with despair that we, we welcomed death itself. But he doesn't just leave it there. He says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will, in the future, deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us 
again. Now, I, I genuinely believe that Paul's saying two things here. Paul's saying, listen, in your future circumstances, God can deliver you. Right. And we know that because he's done it before. But Johnny, is it true that we will always, that deliverance will always take place in this life? See, man, it's it's not true, man. Like I think you alluded to it earlier. You alluded to it earlier, but you know things things just don't go as we as we want them to. And you know ultimately we can have hope in the fact that one day um, Jesus is going to return, right? And you know we'll we'll be reunited with him, and we could we can look forward. We can have hope in that reality that even though we go through you know the the trials of this world, and you know some of them might have you know a tough ending for us. Um, ultimately, there's going to come a day where we're going to be in heaven and there's not going to be any suffering and we can enjoy, you know, the time with our time spent with our father. And it's it's going to be glorious, man. Absolutely. So Ruth and Naomi, they will experience deliverance in their story. They're They're experiencing bitterness right now. But ultimately, everybody who puts their faith in Christ will experience true deliverance. So, I mean, just for for the people that are listening out there, if you are going through difficult circumstances and you feel like you are facing the utter bitterness of God, there's hope not just in this life for tomorrow, um, but there is hope in the afterlife. And um, Paul, Paul says, like, listen, we will be delivered of circumstances from time to time, but we will experience ultimate deliverance when we walk out of this life into the next, into the arms of our Savior, into the arms of Christ, where he will wipe away every tear from our eye. There'll be no sickness, no more sadness, no more death. No, sir. Oh, man, it's going to be a great day. And uh, we will experience joy eternally with our God. Um, and then lastly, just from the, the, the New Testament here, uh, Romans 8, y'all already know, one of my favorite verses. Romans 8. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And then at the end of Romans 8, it says, uh, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So um, Ruth and Naomi, they're experiencing some some difficult situations, uh, but ultimately God is sovereign, God is in control, and uh, he, is, he is good. Um, Johnny, I'm just curious really quickly, uh, is there anything that you can point to in your life that you feel like God has sort of pressed you uh, made you to feel a little bit out of your comfort zone uh, in your own life that you've had to just put Johnny in the back seat and say, Lord, I, I, I need you in this. And you found your dependence on Christ. Oh, man, absolutely. And uh, this is a conversation I actually had with uh, with my brother, Ben. And I just feel like the nature of my walk with God right now, man, is that I'm so utterly dependent on him every single day. Um, just going to college and you know facing the various challenges um just being being a christian in in that secular environment and trying to live for jesus you know it's there are challenges that present itself with that you know the lifestyle that you live is like 
really foreign to, you know, what's, what's normalized over there. And, you know, it's, it's a lot. And so I find myself in a, in a spot where that, that morning time I spend with the Lord, um, and diving in the word, just spending in prayer, um, just getting ready to take on the rest of my day. It's so pivotal, man. It's so pivotal. And, and, and the nature of my relationship with, with God is, is, is one where like, I'm dependent on that time spent, spent with him every single day. And, you know, like there's, there's, there are some tough days, man. There are some tough days, but, you know, I'd look forward to just continuing to renew my mind in his word and, you know, spending time with him. Um, that, does, does that answer your question? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we can all think of, you know, I, I know people who have experienced, um, divorce you know from like they they didn't ask for it uh their 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 husband or their wife just walked out on the relationship and and through that um difficult bitter time they've had to call on the name of jesus and experience salvation through that i know people that have lost jobs i know people that have lost loved ones yeah uh, and i think that we can all look inwardly at our own lives and say, man, when I walked through this season, it was one of the hardest seasons I've ever walked right. through. But it shaped me, it molded me, absolutely, um, and it brought me closer to Christ. Uh, and and I really believe that um, that's what God is doing in our lives. I think we're going to see this as we walk throughout um, the Book of Ruth and um, see her relationship uh, with with Naomi. Um, and and ultimately, I would just maybe leave us with a challenge. Um, we know that um, Naomi's husband walked right into, he left the house of bread. He left Bethlehem and walked right into enemy territory. Right. And I'm, I'm actually reading through the Old Testament right now. And like, dude, the, Moabite, the Moabites were bad people. Like they hated the Jews. Mm. Like they, they wanted to see their destruction. Yeah. And so um, Naomi's husband walks out of Israel towards enemy territory and Naomi is walking back. The word that Brennan used is repent, repent, repent. Shub. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Shub. <laughs> Shub, man. So <laughs> so when we when we see that I think that we have to ask ourselves where's where's Moab in our own lives? Right. Where, where in, in what areas of our lives are we walking away from what God would want for us, what he would have for us, and walking into enemy territory and saying, here, enemy, you can have this part of my life. Um, what are the areas of, of, of sin that we are giving over to the enemy? And in what areas do we need to, to repent and walk back to the house of bread? Uh in, in what areas of our lives are we serving other gods that we shouldn't be and uh, just allowing Christ to expose those areas of our lives so that we can give them over to him and, and worship him in that way? Yeah, definitely, man. That's definitely a great challenge for all of us to reflect on um, as we continue through the rest of this series. Yeah, apply it to our lives. Absolutely. Johnny P., it's good to sit down with you, brother. Absolutely, man. You know what, man? I don't, I don't think most people ever heard your voice before. Yeah, I don't think so either. This is, is kind of... banging away on that cajon. Yeah, man. Love it. Johnny got the hands of fire uh, <laughs> back there on the cajon. I'm just up there screaming. Um, well, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate uh, you taking the time just to um, sit with us and, and uh, listen to our reflections. 
Shout out to my man Mike, the producer. And uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. God bless.